Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, guys? Week number 14 of the 2023 NFL season is upon us. The uh, Patriots and Steelers kick things off tonight on Thursday Night Football in the um, Bailey Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky Bowl. So not expecting a whole lot of offense there, probably. I mean, the the, the Patriots um, have quite the statistical anomaly that, uh, you know, that just shows how lopsided of a team that they are with how well their defense is played on the extreme end of how poorly their offense has played. And it's uh, – I'll mention it a little bit later during the uh, – all out blitz so make sure your ears are perked up so you don't miss it but it's uh it is quite the revelation when you hear uh what it actually is it's it's stunning actually would be the words that i would use but uh only two teams on the buy so we got 15 games uh this week we have a five game pick six uh segment and um some interesting ball games in here obviously philly and dallas the big sunday night game with uh not only first place in the East, but also the top seed in the NFC, I think, would also be on the line uh, as well. Because Philly at 10-2, and two, Dallas at 9-3. and three. Um, If Dallas wins, Philly and Dallas will both be 10-3. and three, And I think that would give Dallas the edge since they split the season series. Philly won earlier uh, in the year. But I wonder what, you know, if San Francisco would leapfrog them both. Uh, to number one because San Francisco beat them both. So maybe it would, you know, propel um, San Francisco into the top seed. Meanwhile, Philly would go from one to three, having fallen to Dallas and San Francisco uh, on back-to-back weeks. So I'm not sure, like, maybe that would mess with their conference record or something. But we'll have to wait and see uh, for all of that to happen. Other games on the five-game slate, India at Cincinnati. Didn't think I'd be talking about this game this late uh, in the season. Jacksonville and Cleveland, that's another one that kind of falls under that category. Detroit and Chicago, got to talk about it because I'm interested in to see how my Bears are going to, uh, number one, how they're going to be coming off the bye, and number two, how will they play against Detroit in the rematch because, you know, they they basically had the game won and then in the final minutes of the game just pissed it all away just as quickly, you know, it was terrible, so. Anyway, and then Buffalo and Kansas City, which I'm sure being a week 14 game, the NFL thought that this thing had, you know, possibilities to be a much, much bigger game uh, than this and or to have to, to carry a little bit more weight than it did. Right now, Buffalo is outside of the playoffs. Kansas City is kind of hanging on there. I mean, they're well ahead in their division at eight and four. But, you know, for a team that's been hovering at the top of the conference for almost the entire season, uh, losing that game on Sunday to the Packers, dropped them down to the third seed uh, in the AFC, which means for the first time in God knows how many years, 
the Chiefs would be playing a wild card game if the season ended today. So it's uh, really interesting. So we got lots to uh, get into. So let's go ahead and get this thing started. This is the week 14 preview episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now your host, Larry D. Oh, man. So we are in that second, that that third third, if you will, the final third um, of the season. The last six weeks, we got five more weeks to go, including this week. Um, this is the last week of buys. So the last team, the last week of the season where teams have the week off. And this week it's only Arizona and Washington. They are the last teams to have a buy, uh, this season. Starting next week with week 15, we go full 16 till the end of the season, till the end of the regular season for the last four weeks. And then obviously we'll have playoffs and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it's it's um it's a really interesting time of season and it's it's what's been most interesting about it is how this season is shaping up because we've been talking about for weeks about how how you know talented or loaded the AFC is like you have to go down to like the 10th or 11th seed before you get a team with a losing record uh in the AFC but you know even though that may be true that also means that this conference is kind of beating each other up here, you know, and, and it's uh, getting to the point where it's like the some, you know, out of nowhere, Kansas City's sitting at eight and four. Now the Ravens are, are nine and three. And they, I mean, they're, they're in first place in the AFC by default. Actually, it's the Dolphins that are ahead of the uh, Ravens uh, right now. They're the number one seed uh, at the moment. And, uh, you know the Jaguars uh, losing on 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 Monday night to the Bengals, and possibly losing Trevor Lawrence for this week, even though he said his ankle feels good, or feels better than he expected it would after a high ankle sprain. You know the the Browns losing Deshaun Watson, and all of a sudden, not that they were that great on offense before, but losing him has really hurt the offense. And for a team that was looking ominous heading into the heading into the playoffs because of that defense. They're going to need that defense to start scoring touchdowns if the offense keeps performing the way it has in the three weeks without uh, Deshaun Watson. So, But it's like on the NFC side, you have four teams right now, San Francisco, Philly, Dallas, Detroit, that look like world beaters, You know, that look like they could actually cause some serious damage and they're all going to have to cross each other's paths in order to get to the Super Bowl and play whoever is the last man standing uh in the AFC. So I mean cuz it's this feels like we're about to enter a period like this last month of the season where in the AFC we're going to see like right now it's Miami at number 1, next week it could be Baltimore. 3 weeks from now it could be the Chiefs uh again or God forbid for cuz for a moment a minute there if you remember I think the Chiefs were playing on Monday night or something like that for a moment. The Jaguars were the top seed uh, in the AFC. I think it was like because they won their game in, at the, in the early games on Sunday, 
and for that moment they were number one in the AFC, and then Kansas City won their game in the afternoon, which pushed them back uh, to the top and, and, and things like that. I, mean, I just think that we're, we're kind of in for this musical chairs to where the wins, not just for like division or anything like that, but for seeding in the AFC, who's going to be the one that gets that coveted bye week this year? Because it seems with the way these teams are kind of beating up on each other and things like that in the AFC, that bye week is going to be hugely important for a team that's banged up and that needs uh, some rest. I mean, look, I mean, injuries are hurting everyone uh, in the league right now. I mean, the first two games in our pick six, Indianapolis at Cincinnati, Jacksonville at Cleveland, all four of those teams if Trevor, especially if Trevor Lawrence doesn't pay, play all four of those teams are playing backup quarterbacks, and all four of those teams are in the playoff race right now. Cincinnati and Cincinnati's on the the only team on the outside of it. Cleveland and Cincinnati are the six and the seven seed, and obviously Jacksonville is uh, the four seed on top of the AFC South. But all four of those teams, if Lawrence doesn't play, are playing with backup quarterbacks uh, this weekend. So, you know, and those are like four of the five like bottom seed teams that uh, are, you know, fighting for playoff spots uh, right now. So, I mean, uh, all four of those teams and actually what two, all three of the four aren't getting their quarterbacks back. Indianapolis not getting Anthony Richardson back. Cincinnati is not getting Joe Burrow back and Cleveland is not getting Deshaun Watson back. And, you know, Jack Jacksonville High ankle sprain, depending on how bad that sprain is, it could be anywhere from, you know, he might tough it out and play this weekend to we don't see him for another two or three weeks before he's able to play on that ankle. So, I mean, things are going to get pretty crazy uh, in the AFC. And it really always does come down to whoever the healthiest is right now. And even though the Dolphins have taken their lumps, uh, losing some key players here and there, their starting quarterback is healthy. Into it is so, and so are all of his weapons. Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, Achan uh, is back. Raheem Mostert, uh, Jacecki, the tight end. Everybody is is healthy on that. It's their offensive line that's banged up from time to time, but all their skill players uh, are there. So for the Dolphins, if the offensive line is going, so will they. So, but yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a real interesting race to the finish here uh, in the AFC and. Uh, I for one can't wait to uh, see how it all uh, see how it all unfolds. So, because I'm surprised to see some of these teams still in the mix, and I'm you know you're kind of expecting teams to fall off because now they have their backup quarterbacks and, and like the Browns. I didn't I thought excuse me the Bengals. Well, the Browns too, but the Bengals especially after they lost Joe Burrow, you know they had that weak performance against the Steelers uh, last week, but then uh, Browning was 32 of 37 for 354. And two touchdowns uh, on Monday. Who the hell saw that coming? You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's going to be a real interesting race to the finish to see how it all unfolds in the AFC. And it might be like one of those old school 80s years where these teams just beat the crap out of each other only to get killed by the NFC champion uh, in the Super Bowl. Um, we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. But the 49ers look bulletproof uh, at this point. So, uh they were my preseason favorite, and they're playing like like the next Super Bowl champion uh, right now. So as long as they can stay healthy, uh, it, I'd be hard-pressed to bet against them at this point, especially after what they did to Philly on Sunday and what they did to 
uh, Dallas earlier in the season. They beat they beat those two teams a combined eighty four to twenty nine, and these are the other two best teams in the NFC slash NFL right now. So. Anyway, guys, let's go ahead and get everything started. And as we do with our preview episodes, we begin with the All Out Blitz. All Out Blitz for week number 14. We begin on Thursday night in Pittsburgh as the Patriots have allowed 10 points or less in their last three games. But the offense is so bad, they've lost all three. And can Mitch Trubisky lead the Steeler offense to score enough to get past New England? I'm going to vote yes. Give me the Steelers. Tampa Bay at New Orleans, or excuse me, Tampa Bay at Atlanta. For the second time this year, the Bucks and the Falcons play for first place in the NFC South. Atlanta won the first matchup with a last-second field goal. Can they do it again? My money's on Atlanta. Yes. Houston at the Jets. Zach Wilson is back at the helm for the Jets, and he is fired up, according to Robert Sala. If anyone is fired up, it should be the Texans. Let me take the Texans in this one. Rams at Ravens. Stafford and the Rams have won three straight to knock on the playoff door. But the Ravens are one of the best teams in all of football and are at home and rested coming off the bye. Give me the Ravens. Carolina at New Orleans. Since taking over the lead in the South, the Saints have lost three straight. Despite that, they're only one game back and need a win to keep pace. Give me the Saints over the Panthers. Minnesota at Las Vegas. Both the Vikings and Raiders are losers of two straight and coming off of the bye. Which one will snap the losing streak and get back in the playoff discussion? I'm going to go with the Vikings. Seattle at San Francisco. The Seahawks are losers of four out of five, and they cannot catch a break. They played their best game in weeks against Dallas last Thursday, but now they're running headlong into the 49ers, who killed them on Thanksgiving. Give me the Niners to do it again. Denver at the Chargers. The Broncos had their league-best winning streak snapped in Houston last week. Can they get back on track while cutting down a division rival? I'm going to vote yes. Give me the Broncos. Tennessee at Miami won the first Monday night game. Mike McDaniel's Dolphins possess the scariest offense in football and are currently the number one seed in the AFC. Meanwhile, the Titans are tough, but their only win in the last five weeks was against the Panthers. Yikes, give me the Dolphins. And finally, the other Monday night game, Green Bay at the Giants. As much as it pains me as a Bear fan, the Packers are playing good football and in the playoff discussion. And I'm not counting on the Giants to help me out by beating them on Monday. Give me Green Bay. So there you have it, guys. The Week 14 All-Out Blitz. It's an interesting slate, those 10 games that we have there. and uh, But the more interesting ones are the ones we're going to talk about right now as we dive headlong into the Week 14 Pick 6. Pick 6 for Week Number 14. First game is Indianapolis at Cincinnati, and this is an interesting matchup here because the uh, I think the Colts are either six or seven, one of the two in the uh, in the playoff standings in the AFC right now. They're right on the edge at seven and five, and they are seven. And <clears throat> I'm guessing they have a tiebreaker. It says wins the tiebreaker over Houston based on head-to-head percentage. So, because uh, Houston is also seven and five with their win over the Broncos uh, last weekend, so it's there are four seven and five teams right now, and three of them are 
the five, six, and seven seed, the Steelers, the Browns, and the Colts with the Texans just on the outside at number eight. And then you have the Broncos and Bengals at six and six. Oh, and the Bills as well. We'll be talking about them here in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, we have to get all the way down to the 12 seed. I mentioned the 11 seed. It's 12 before the first losing team appears in the AFC, and that's the Chargers at five and seven, along with the Raiders also at five and seven. So yeah, it's uh, quite a steep. Quite a drop-off. Um, but, yeah, you get all the way down to the 12th seed before you get to the losing records. In the NFC, it's now the 10th seed because we have a handful of 6-6 six and six teams because of teams like Green Bay and Los Angeles that have gone on winning streaks and teams like the Vikings and the Seahawks that have gone on losing streaks. So, because a few weeks ago, the Rams and the Packers were both six and, or 3-6, and six, the Vikings were six and four. The Seahawks were five and two at one point. They've lost four out of five to now be six and six. They are the nine seed right now. Uh, the The Rams are at eight. The Packers are in the playoffs at seven right now, which I can't even begin to tell you how much that angers me. But they have the tiebreaker over the Rams because they beat the Rams a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, so just like that, now we have to go down to the 10th seed before we get to a losing team, and those are Tampa Bay and New Orleans. And strangely enough, as we heard in the all-out blitz, despite being 5-7 and seven and having lost like four out of their last five, the Buccaneers are playing for first place in the NFC South this weekend. And if they beat the 6-6 six and six Falcons, who currently hold first place in the division, they, for the second time, will be in first place uh, in the NFC South. So, I mean, it's it's a crazy situation that's going on, especially in that NFC South division. And now with the NFC, you got teams that are falling off late and teams that are building up. It's creating a logjam right there in the uh, in the playoff race. So it's uh, something to keep an eye on. But Indianapolis at seven and five, just barely keeping the. Uh, the Texans at bay right now. And the uh, Bengals at 6-6 six and six are the 10th seed at the moment. So even though they are, what is that, 0-4. They're 0-4 in their division, man. So the Bengals could just win some games in their division. They'd be in good shape. But I guess they've, uh, I think they they lost both games to the Ravens. They've lost to Pittsburgh and they've lost to Cleveland, I believe. So I think that would be all four. So, But they still got two games left in the division to see maybe they could turn that around a little bit. But, yeah, that's that's going to hurt as far as tiebreakers, especially with the Steelers and the Browns ahead of them uh, in the playoff race. But nonetheless, a few weeks ago when the, uh, the Bengals lost to the uh, Jags, no, 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 when they lost to the, the Ravens on uh, Thursday Night Football, you were like, okay, so the Bengals are done because not only did they lose the and, and have the season sweep to the uh, Ravens, but that was two in a row that they'd lost at that point, and they lost Joe Burrow in that game. And in the last play of 2023, Joe Burrow was him throwing a touchdown pass that gave the Bengals the lead in that game. So who knows how it goes if uh, Burrow was actually able to healthy be healthy and finish 
uh, the game. Jake Browning comes in and got one garbage touchdown late at the end to make it sound like it was closer than it was. Then, because was only good enough to score 10 points the following week against the Steelers, and they're like thinking, okay, so now they're going into Jacksonville to play the Jaguars on Monday night football. This is the first Monday night game in Jacksonville since like 2011. It's like Trevor Lawrence was in sixth grade the last time the Jags played a Monday night football game at home or Monday night football game at all, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a big deal. The Jaguars uh, coming off that big win over Houston last week to stake claim to first place in the division. The the Bengals are done, or at least you thought they were. And then Jake Browning comes out 32 of 37, 354 yards, uh, threw a touchdown pass, ran for uh, another, and led them to this overtime win over the Jaguars on the road. And I was like, okay. And now they're playing the Colts, which the Colts being 7-5 and five means Shane Steichen should be up for coach of the year. I don't, I'm not saying that he should win it, but the fact that they – that this team is in this position this late in the season, it's a hell of a job on his part, for sure. They lose their franchise quarterback like five weeks into the season because the guy just cannot stay healthy. And he has to have, you know, and season ending shoulder surgery or whatever it was. And, you know, they're done. They're going back and forth with their with their wins and losses. But then here lately the, Bengal, the, the the Colts have gone on a run because I think they lost Richardson in that Titans game. That was week five. They ended up winning that one thanks to Gardner Minshew uh, in that one. And then they lost three straight. They lost to the, the Jaguars. They got housed by the Jaguars. They just barely lose that one to the Browns, and you could probably serve that one up to the refs more than the Browns themselves. And then they get beat by the by the Saints. Well, since then... They've won four in a row, and granted, the competition hasn't exactly been strong because they beat the Panthers to get the winning streak started. They beat the Patriots over in Germany. I believe that one was in Germany. Ten to six. Then they beat the Buccaneers. Yeah, they're playing for first place, but they're playing for it in one of the worst divisions in football, if not the worst uh, division in football. And then last week, it takes overtime, but they beat the Titans. The amount of wins between these four teams. You got one win for the Panthers, two for the Patriots. The Buccaneers are the wild ones with five. And then the Titans are a three and nine, four and eight, four and eight. So 12, te- 12 wins between four teams. That's who they've beat. That's their month-long winning streak that they're on right now. Which means that... This is entirely a game that the Colts or that the Bengals can absolutely win for all the talent that they have on their team, minus their minus their their all pro quarterback in Joe Burrow. They still have Joe Mixon. They still have Jamar Chase. I think T. Higgins is back if he hasn't if he wasn't already back on Monday against the uh, Jaguars. You know they've got some pieces on on defense uh, and everything. Really, they're just missing the quarterback. At this point, and like I said, the Colts are on a four-game winning streak. But look at who they've beaten on this streak. It's it's not entirely a murderer's row uh, of teams 
uh, and everything. They benefited greatly from an extremely light schedule. And, you know, not that they've had to face much throughout this season, but, you know, I mean, their, their losses, they've, they lost to the Jags, they lost to the Rams, but that was in overtime. And, you know, they lost, they've got swept by the Jaguars. Like I said, that game against the Browns was kind of the, the, the Browns benefiting from some calls late uh, by the referees. And then the game against the Saints, they just, they just got flat out beat in that one. But then they go on this winning streak. The Panthers, the Patriots, the Buccaneers, the Titans. I think if, if you look at the draft board, these guys are all in the top 10 right now. So, like I said, not exactly like they've been running through the 49ers and the Eagles and the Cowboys the last month. They've been beating up on the weakest of the week as far as the NFL uh, is concerned. And got to give credit to the Colts. They're winning these games. And they've, you know, they have their, they're a legit seven and five because they've gone out and won the games. It's not their fault how the schedule was created. It's just that, you know, it seems like when they run into some competition, that's when they seem to fall off. But we'll see because, I mean, the schedule isn't crazy for the rest of the year either. I mean, I guess the, the NFC, the AFC South just kind of lucked out this year, but they're at the Bengals this week. Then they're home for the Steelers at the Falcons. Home for the Raiders, home for the Texans to finish out the year. So, yeah, I mean, let's say they get they get past the Bengals. Let's give them that one just for now. Home for the Steelers, who, despite their seven and five record, really struggled on offense, even when Kenny Pickett was healthy. But now the Trubisky. Is going to be the quarterback for the for the foreseeable future uh, and everything. Don't know how that's going to go. The you know both the the Bengals or excuse me the Browns and the Steelers are going to have to rely heavily on their defenses going forward and see if that's enough to get them into the playoffs or for them to hang on to the spots that they have uh, right now. Then they're at the Falcons, and the Falcons have been tough at home this season. But with Desmond Ritter back at quarterback, that's not a guarantee. You get a few turnovers in there, which Ritter and, and the Falcons like to serve up from time to time. Could get interesting there. The Raiders are a home game. You know, it's it's these are all 50-50 games for me that could go either way, which is going to make it a, a bitch trying to pick their games for the rest of the season, including this one uh, with the uh, the Bengals. It's like looking at what... Four weeks ago, the Colts were three and five. They were circling the drain, you know. Four weeks later, they've beaten four of the worst teams in the NFL, but they're at seven and five, and if the season ended today, they're in the playoffs. The Bengals, on the other hand, have been, were, were struggling early uh, in the season when Burrow was recovering from that injury, but Burrow hits 100%. They go on a winning streak, you know. They, they lost that game to the Texans, and then the following week, four days later, on Thursday Night Football, they lose their starting quarterback for the season with a wrist injury. And, uh, you know, then they follow it up by losing to the, to the Steelers. Things are a mess. They've lost three in a row. What was, you know, five and, what was it? Yeah, five and, five and three is now six and six. They've lost three out of their... Last four. 
or it was five and six actually. They they were five and six before winning that game over Jacksonville, and I didn't get to watch the uh, Monday night game uh, against uh, Jacksonville, but I, I'm so I'm not one hundred percent sure about when the tide turned in that one. Like, was it when Trevor Lawrence went out that all of a sudden here come uh, the Bengals? But it, like for me, you just look at the stats. Browning was 32 of 37, which means that he was pretty much on point all night long. So no matter how it was going uh, for that, the Brown, the Bengals were never out of this game because Browning was on it. I mean, he had a Joe Burrow-type performance in this game. 32 of 37, 354 and a touchdown, and then he ran for one uh, as well. So, I mean, it's uh, this is definitely a 50-50 game. Right now, I'm... I'm going with the Colts. I'm not really sure why. So for now, I'm, I'm sticking with the Colts, but do not be surprised if we get together on Tuesday when we do the review and you heard that I changed my, my pick uh, to, the, uh, to the Bengals. So like I said, right now I'm going for the uh, Colts, but um, yeah, I, I could probably talk myself into Cincinnati here when, uh, when I'm like, yeah, but those four wins, the Patriots, the the Patriots, the Panthers, the the Buccaneers, and the uh, who did they beat last week? The Titans. Yeah, that's uh, that's not a tough schedule. So, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Cincinnati, but right now I'm going with the Colts. <laughs> Speaking of Jacksonville, they're at Cleveland this weekend, taking on the Browns, and it was a high ankle sprain that Trevor Lawrence suffered uh, in that game against the. Um, against the Bengals. He was very emotional about it on the field when it happened. Like, as he tried to get up and walk off the field, immediately went down when he tried to put weight uh, on that ankle, was, you know, punching the ground in frustration. He's thinking his season was over for how badly that was. And, you know, for someone who's been, you know, who hasn't been hurt, you know, has been very healthy in his his short career uh, up to this point, to have something like that happen at this point, in the season, you're leading the division, you're in the playoffs in this moment. All you have to do is maintain, and you're going to have a shot at the tournament again uh, this season with with the team playing better than it was a year ago uh, at this time. Had to be a very frustrating moment. Uh, Kudos to Trey Hendrickson, defensive end for the Bengals. When he saw Lawrence go down, he dropped to a knee and said a prayer for him right then and there. It's a classy move. But, um, you know, it's... uh, when, when Lawrence addressed the press earlier today on Wednesday, he says the ankle feels better than he thought it would, and right now the Jags are not counting him out from playing on Sunday. So that's definitely something to keep your eye on. And because it's leaning towards Jacksonville going with Lawrence, um, that's why I'm, I'm leaning towards the Jags in this one. So it's like these two games here, Cincinnati and Indianapolis, Jacksonville and Cleveland, I'm giving you picks now, but they very well could change between now uh, and and, and kickoff because the Browns, they're not doing so hot right now. They have really struggled on offense since the the injury to to Deshaun Watson. So Watson goes down in that Ravens win, you know, or at least that's where the injury was suffered. He finished the game somehow, and uh, then he's done for the season there. 
Then the following week against the Steelers, the defense is epic, only gives up 10 points, but the, the Steelers need a last-second field goal to win 13-10. to 10. They just barely eke it out. Then they go on the road at Denver. They lose that one 29-12. The offense can't get anything going, even with DTR uh, at the quarterback position. He gets a concussion in that game, has to sit out the Rams game, and it was a back-and-forth kind of tight uh, affair. It's 20 to 19 in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden the Rams just hit him with both barrels, scored 16 points in the fourth quarter to pull away and, and win it 22 or 36 uh, to 19. And in those final moments, it was like the offensive line for the Browns just absolutely forgot how to block. Like they had no semblance of what pass blocking was. Flacco gets sacked for a, for a safety at the end of the the game and it's just like completely under fire, especially in in those moments where they really need the help. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know they're they're in the three games without Deshaun Watson, they've scored 10, 12, and nineteen points. So forty one points over three games. That's less than fourteen points uh, a game. And it's not so much that the defense is giving up those points; it's more so that the defense is giving up those points because they're constantly on the field. The time of possession battle, they've lost it every week for the last three weeks. And, you know, if if your defense is tired, they're not going to be as effective. You know, their minds aren't going to be as sharp. They're going to make mental errors. They're going to be tired and not be able to keep up when a guy makes a cut and, and things like that. It, it just always kind of happens that way. You'll see the defense kind of collapse if – They've been on the field for 80 plays or seven, you know, 75 or 80 plays uh, a game. That greatness can only take you so far. You know, when, uh, when you're so tired you can't think straight, yeah, it's going to be rough. I mean, I know Jacksonville is also playing without Christian Kirk, who's having, like, core muscle surgery. I think they were saying, like, the, um, like his abductor muscle came loose or, the, like, the thigh came, came from, like, where it attaches to the abdomen – uh, and things like like he's going to need surgery to repair that. He's probably done, done, uh, unless it's a simple surgery. Maybe they can get him back if the Jags go deep into the playoffs uh, at this point. But, you know, the Browns are going to have Flacco again at quarterback if uh, DTR doesn't clear concussion protocol. He was limited in practice uh, today on Wednesday, so we'll see how that all shakes out. It's not exactly like they're going to get this huge uh, offensive boost if – DTR plays uh, this weekend, but I think he's obviously he's been around since day one versus Flacco just joining the team a couple of weeks ago. Like he was on the practice squad two weeks ago and was elevated to the roster last week so he could start against the Rams and, uh, you know, take that uh, for what you will. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough call either way. It's like, yeah, you know, even if, uh, if Trevor Lawrence plays, that definitely puts, I'm putting all my eggs in the Jacksonville uh, basket. But it's like early on at least, Cleveland could probably help themselves if they force some turnovers, get after Lawrence, who probably won't be moving that well on that, uh, on that ankle uh, and everything. We'll, we'll see because the, uh, the schedule for the Jags, let me see if maybe like they could sacrifice him this weekend. Yeah, no, they can't because they, they have the, the Browns. They're at – Cleveland this weekend, they're home for the Ravens next weekend. 
then maybe they could give Trevor Lawrence because like the timing is just couldn't be any worse because the Browns and the Ravens are both playoff teams. The Ravens, they would be battling for seeding in the conference. The Browns, they're, you know, are our playoff teams. They're just trying to keep pace, especially since the Texans are right on their heels. They're only a game back because Houston won last week the, and, uh, you know, the Jags lost. So that turned that two game win streak, a two game lead into a one game uh, lead. Jacksonville eight and four, Houston seven and five. So these are wins that Jacksonville has to have. So even if Lawrence is 75%, he's got to play. He's got to play. So you put some put some tape on it, maybe give him a cortisone shot, something. Worry about it on Monday uh, kind of thing. We're in a playoff run uh, right now. So, I mean, if he absolutely can't, you know, move on it, then no. You just you got to do what you got to do and hope for the best with C.J. Beathard, their backup quarterback. But, um, you know, like I said, that, that defense can really help themselves out early maybe take advantage of the lack of mobility that Lawrence might have with the uh, with the ankle injury maybe he tries to get a throw off and can't put everything behind it and gets picked off you take it back maybe a strip sack because he's limited in the pocket uh kind of thing but if if Jacksonville can if if Lawrence plays and they weather the early storm then it leans more and more towards Jacksonville you know being an easier pick uh to make so, and basically that's what I'm saying is like if if Cleveland doesn't strike early on defense, you know maybe a little bit of extra pressure, you know a strip sack in there, maybe a pick six, something like that, or if they just flat out get something on special teams, like a kickback or something, they need something extra because their offense is not going to give it to them, which is frustrating because they have Kareem Hunt, they have David Njoku, they have uh, Amari Cooper, they have Peoples Jones. Uh, the wide receiver, they have tools and weapons, and it's just about the quarterback that gets it to them, which is what made Flacco playing last week an intriguing prospect. This is a Super Bowl MVP. This is a guy that's been there, done that uh, kind of thing as far as like what the Browns are trying to do uh, this season. So it's an interesting situation there in Cleveland. Um, and like I said, this is very much like a 50-50 game for me uh, as well with Jacksonville and and Cleveland. If Lawrence was healthy and all that kind of stuff, I'm picking the Jag- I mean, I'm picking the Jags anyway, just because I think they have a better opportunity to win the game because Cleveland is struggling so much on offense at this point. Um, but if Lawrence was healthy and it wasn't an issue, it's a much easier pick uh, than it is. So, I mean, that I guess where the difficulty comes is is where I put the confidence points on it, and I'm going light on Jacksonville beating Cleveland. So give me the Jaguars. <laughs> Game number three, Detroit at Chicago, nine and three at four and eight. Doesn't seem like something that would pique the interest too much, but the, the thing is you're talking to a bears guy. So, and the reason is not so much my bias for my beloved that I'm uh, putting them in this spot, but more so because of the game that took place between these three teams three weeks ago in week number 11. The Bears going into Detroit. They had just won the week before in an absolute snooze fest with the Carolina Panthers, the literal worst team in the NFL. And they just barely come away with the win over them. They get 10 days rest, but they're coming in to play the Lions, who are 8-2, and two, coming or 7-2, and two, coming into the game, playing as good a football as they've played all season, had Pulled one out of the fire against the Chargers the week before. 
just showing, you know, how hard of a team they are. Like, this is a team that just won't die. Unless there are zeros on the clock, we're going to keep fighting. And it was Justin Fields' first game back. This is the last thing in the world that I wanted was for Justin Fields to make his return against this team, against the Lions. And not so much before that they've got this world-class, like, all-knowing, all-defeating uh, defense, but just because the Bears were not playing well, the Lions were playing very, very well, and I just saw blood in the water uh, for this. And lo and behold, the the Bears come out like a million bucks, score on the opening drive, take an early lead, you know, are going note for note with the Brown or with the with the Lions uh, early on. They picked off Jared Goff in twice in the first half, I believe. Uh, you know, forced a, another interception and a turnover that they scored a touchdown off of in the second half. And the first 56 minutes of this game, we are well in control. Because any time that the Lions try to get anything going, offensively, they cannot. They turn the ball over. The defense is playing well. It's pressuring uh, Goff. We got some. We got a sack. On, you know, Montez Sweat got his first sack as a Bear uh, in this one, and it was a legit sack. It wasn't one of those. Oh, he. You know, he finally fell into this guy's arm. No, Sweat got that. Went out there and got him. You know, outstanding job uh, on his part. Four minutes, fifteen seconds to go. The Bears kicked a field goal to put themselves up twenty-six to fourteen. Then the Lions come back. In a minute and change, they score another touchdown. I mean, and it was just bang, bang, bang. And then the Bears go three and out in the most ridiculous play-calling uh, sequence with not only did they run the ball up the middle on first and second down, but they kind of telegraphed it with three tight ends. So they're not trying to sell the idea that they're going to pass at all in this situation. And on first and second down, two runs right up the middle, they gained one yard. And then on third down, they go four wides and they throw a deep ball, which of course, again, fooled no one. And if not for Tyler Scott kind of misjudging the ball midair a little bit, it might've been the huge play that the bears, if Tyler Scott comes down with that pass, we're talking about a much different outcome here, but instead the ball falls flat or innocently to the ground. The Bears punt, and then the, the, the Lions go on like a 13-play drive or something in two minutes, four seconds, score a touchdown to take the lead. And then on the ensuing drive, Darnell Wright's immaculate game against uh, Hutchinson is erased when he gives up a strip sack. And uh, when, when Darnell Wright is running for the ball, he accidentally kicks it out of bounds uh, out the back of the end zone for a safety. So in four minutes, 15 seconds to go, the Bears were up 12. Four minutes and 15 seconds later, when the clock strikes zero, the Bears have lost by five. It's, it was remarkable, you know, and it happened all so fast that it just didn't seem real. And then what really pissed me off was that almost the exact same thing happened four days later on Thanksgiving when the Packers came in, did the exact same thing, got off to the early lead, and the Lions tried to make a late push, but in the end, their offensive line absolutely collapsed. I mean, not it was it was actually the theme of the day. They just got beat up up front all day long uh, against the uh, against the Packers. Goff gets sacked. He throws interceptions, and and in in 
they did not have the magic to come back a second time. And, of course, this is what kind of got Green Bay off and running with their uh, their little winning streak. But um, fast forward to last Monday, and the Bears are in Minnesota Monday night against the Vikings while I'm at the Kiss Show. And uh, it wasn't pretty. They only managed to score four field goals. Uh, the the Vikings only scored the scored the one and only touchdown in the fourth quarter to take a ten to nine lead. And as much as people want to mock the Bears for being that team that won a game without scoring a touchdown, which oddly is not an easy thing to do, but the Bears are getting zero credit for it. The two things that I was encouraged by was number one when Fields fumbled for the second time in that quarter. Usually that would be it because the Vikings would have scored, maybe turned that into a, a you know a situation where they needed a touchdown or scored a touchdown to put it to make it a two-score game. That's traditionally what would have happened in the past. Instead, the defense did what it almost has never done in the Eberflus era, especially during the Justin Fields era because I could go on and on for hours about that loss in 2021 to the Steelers on Monday Night Football. But, um, you know, we needed a stop from the defense, get the ball back for us, and they did that almost immediately. The Bears get the ball back with, what, 2.30 to go in the game. And then Justin Fields did what he has yet to do in his Bears career, but drive the team down the field, makes a, a laser of a throw to DJ Moore to get him into field goal range, sets up the game-winning field goal. The Bears steal a win from the Vikings uh, on Monday Night Football. So, we go on the bye. We definitely needed it. Probably be as healthy as a team as we've ever been coming into this game against the Lions. Knowing what we're capable of against this team, the Lions are coming off of a win over the Saints on Sunday, but wait till you hear the show between with myself and, and Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit previewing the game tomorrow on Friday. And, you know, it's like the... Lions fans are getting nervous because a few weeks ago, what happened between the Bears and the Lions happened. Then four days later on Thanksgiving, the exact same thing happens with the with the Packers, only the Packers beat them up a little bit more. The Packers also don't let them come back. They're the ones sacking golf left and right after the turnovers and, and all that kind of stuff. And then after the 10-day break, they go on the road to the Saints. They get out to this crazy 21-0 lead early on in the first quarter. And then they basically are struggling to stay in front of the Saints, barely hang on 33 uh, to 28 to win the game. So the thing that's got, you know, Lions fans nervous is that, uh, you know, is the offense going to have to do all the heavy lifting uh, again? Because the defense has given up 26, I think it was 29, to the um, Packers, and then 28 against the uh, Saints on Sunday. So they were able to score enough to win in Chicago. They were able to score enough to win against New Orleans uh, on Sunday. But is that what the defense is turning into? Are we the ones that have given up the plays? Are we going to get picked apart again? And And our offense is going to have to score 40 points a game because our defense can't get out of a game without giving up less than 30. So that's what kind of what's kind of interesting here is that um, even though Justin Fields has yet to beat the Lions in his time uh, in Chicago, actually he beat them once in his first game. It was his, one of his first starts 
He had an awesome game against the Lions. So let's make some what, like one in six, one in seven against the Lions so far. But, you know, he's always made some kind of mark in those games. I think Jeremy mentioned when we spoke tonight that he was, uh, that he's rushed for over 100 yards in three straight games, including the one in week 11. That the Lions have had a lot of problems with him, even though they've been able to come away with wins in the last three games. They've come away with, uh, you know, having to do a whole lot more just to get past us uh, kind of thing. So it's intriguing because I asked the same question this week that I did going into the Minnesota game. Which team is going to show up for this game against the Lions? Will it be the team that essentially dominated for 56 minutes, was looking to make easy work of this division-leading team, or will it be the team that rolled over and showed their belly for the last four minutes? And gave it away. So, and which Lions defense is going to show up? This is actually a question we've asked prior in this season when they were stingy and they beat the the Chiefs week one. Immediately they come back week two and they give up thirty seven points to the to the Seahawks. It's like so. Which defense is it going to be? Is it going to be the team that that clamped down on the World Champs and beat them in their own stadium, or is it going to be the team that could not score enough points to win because their defense? was giving it away. So it's like we're, we're kind of in that area again for the, uh, for the Lions where, you know, the defense is becoming a liability uh, again. You know, and, and Goff is very good. He's, ben Johnson's has done a great job uh, reshaping him uh, and everything, but the that loss against the uh, Packers really hurt. And they barely got past the Bears. They barely got past the Chargers the week before that. You know, 38 points they gave up to the Chargers, but they had to score 41 to win. They 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 scored 31 against the Bears, but they had given up 26 and needed a miracle comeback to pull that off. They lost to the Packers 29-22, to but it was they were playing from behind that whole game. You know, and then it would, like I said, a big jump out in front of the Saints, twenty-one to nothing in the first quarter, and then at one point, because I, I was watching that game at a sports bar, I left. You know, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth, something like that. It was twenty-four to twenty-one. They were they barely hung on there. So, you know, it was uh, the Saints went on a twenty-eight to twelve run at, from the second quarter to the end of the game, and if not for that disastrous first quarter, they probably beat Detroit uh, on Sunday. So that's what they that's what the, the the Lions fans and and Jeremy included have anxiety coming into this game is that the defense seems to be not so much falling apart but not being as as good of a unit as it was uh prior. You know, starting with that Falcons game, they lost to the Seahawks, they get 6 points to the Falcons. That 20 points to the Packers, that was a late garbage touchdown uh in there. They gave up 24 to the Panthers the week before, but that was also garbage time at the end because they had they were up at like 42 to 14 at one point uh, in that game. Six points to the Buccaneers. Then they just have that nothing went right game against the Ravens where they lost 38 to six. Hold the the Raiders 26 to 14 and come away. And then it's like the last month the defense has been a concern. You know, 41 to 38 went over the Chargers. 31 26 over the Bears where the defense didn't show up until the last four minutes uh, of the uh, of the game. 
then like I said, the Packers game, and then last week against the Saints, you know, they already had, they already got all they could handle from the Bears and from Justin Fields earlier, and now this is a well-rested, you know, this team has been on a break for the last two weeks. We're coming off of a win, so we've got a lot of good vibes coming off of uh, off the vibe for Chicago, and uh, we'll see. I'm, you know, I'm still going with the Lions for now just because as much as I hate to admit it, I just don't trust the Bears. You know, I, I know what they're capable of. Can they beat the Lions? Absolutely. Especially in Soldier Field, 100%. They absolutely can do it. Will they do it? <sighs> I think it's more likely Detroit does. So, I mean, that, that's just all there is to it. I trust the Lions to get it done more than the Bears, and I think that's more an indictment of uh, Eberflus and Getze than it is of the players themselves. So I was like, I just think that they're in the wrong hands uh, right now. So I'm, I will not be surprised if the Bears, uh, you know, pull this one off. I think I'm going to have a low confidence score just to kind of protect myself uh, against that. But I am picking the Lions uh, to come out with the win uh, on Sunday. <laughs> Game number four, Buffalo at Kansas City and this is interesting because in the regular season, for the last two, three seasons, Buffalo's had Kansas City's number. And almost all of these games have taken place in Kansas City, and the Bills have walked away with wins. But the other thing is, I think both of those wins came like earlier in the season. And here we are, we're playing week 14. But we're also meeting at a time where the Bills are... It's they've seemed to rediscover their offense with, uh, you know, they, they fired their offensive coordinator, uh, Ken Dorsey, uh, a couple of weeks ago in their, in their first game under uh, Joe Brady. They, they beat the Jets, and for the first time since like week four or five, they scored 30 points. They scored 32 against the Jets, and the Jets have one of the best defenses in the football right now. And um, then the following week, in a losing effort in Philadelphia against the Eagles, it takes 34 points. They score 34 points, legitimately. There were no, like, defensive or special teams touchdowns. They went out there, and they put up 34 uh, on the Eagles. And, you know, they, they actually kicked the field goal to take the lead in overtime. But uh, then Jalen Hurts and, and the Eagles come right down the field and score a touchdown to, uh, to take the uh, win uh, in that one. And they've had two weeks to get ready for this game against the Chiefs, and unfortunately for the Bills. They're on the outside of the playoffs right now looking in. They need to get some wins to, to get themselves back in the discussion. And their, their last three games, like they played the Eagles two weeks ago. They've just went on the bye. Now they're at Kansas City and then home for the Cowboys. The NFL schedule is doing them no favors. None. And it's because they lost games that they should have won uh, in this one. You know, one could argue they should have won that first game against the Jets week one. They um, just got beat by the Jags in the U.K. They, they had the lead and then blew it on the final drive against the Patriots. They... You know, they got beat by the Bengals straight up, but then that Broncos game on Monday Night Football 
a couple of weeks ago. That's the one that got Ken Dorsey fired. That was the one where they, when I said it's not like they couldn't get out of their own way, it's that they wouldn't get out of their own way. You know, a, a defensive pass interference call that set up a game-winning field goal, and then they miss, the Broncos miss the game winner, only for them to get another chance and another five-yard penalty because the Bills had 12 guys on the field. Just utter incompetence there at the end uh, of the game. None of that was Ken Dorsey's fault, but the fact that, you know, for the better part of the last six weeks, the highest point total they had made was 25 in a losing effort to the Patriots. That was the best that their offense had done since week four. Since week four, they'd scored 20, 14, 25, 24, and 18, and then 22 against the Broncos. First game without Ken Dorsey, they scored 32 on the Jets. Second game without Ken Dorsey, they scored 34 in a losing effort against the Eagles. So that's what makes this matchup interesting, is that Kansas City had you know been doing a really great job of finding ways to win games, kind of being gritty about it, kind of doing it defensively. Steve Spagnolo is, uh, if there is a coach of the year award for the coordinators, Spagnolo would be at the top of my list for the job that he's done with this young, inexperienced uh, defense. Because he's got a couple of veteran guys like Chris Jones and things like that on the team. But uh, overall, he's doing it with young guys, first and second year uh, players. And their defense is outstanding. But, you know, lately, they had that loss against the Eagles on Monday night. They got off to a slow start against the Raiders before they turned that around. And then last week against the Packers, they couldn't get any pressure on Love, didn't force any turnovers, couldn't get anything done. And then the offense, which is what's so uncharacteristic here, the offense for the Chiefs has been so shaky and inconsistent this year. You know, they, they've only scored more than 30 points three times this season once was against the bears at when they were at one of their lowest points ever. Then, uh, you know, was it against the chargers? That was, and that was more of a defensive thing as well, because the defense pissed a shutout in the second half. Mahomes and company kept scoring 31 to 17. And then again, slow start, big second, uh, big second quarter, second half for the, uh, chiefs to score 31 against the, Raiders, but otherwise, uh, twenty-one to twenty loss to the Lions, seventeen to nine over the Jags, twenty-three to twenty over the Jets, twenty-seven to twenty over the Vikings, nineteen to eight over the Broncos, and then fast forward, they lose twenty-four to nine to the Broncos, twenty-one to fourteen in London, but a defensive touchdown was the was the difference in that one. They scored all their points in the first half. They're up twenty-one nothing at halftime, got shut out in the second half, and it was the defense that held Tua and the Dolphins in check to win that one. They lose 21-17 to the Eagles, then, like I said, 31-17 over the Raiders, and then this 27-19 loss to Green Bay uh, in Lambeau. The offense has been up and down. It's It's got the potential to be explosive, but it just hasn't happened yet this year, and I think it's it's more so that the the Chiefs really miss the high-end talent as far as the receiving uh, is uh, is concerned because they they don't really have anybody that's that killer threat outside of Travis Kelsey, and he's more of a move-the-chains 
tight end. He's got a, he's got big plays in him, but he's not that guy that'll give you that deep shot uh, like they had with Tyreek Hill and like they had last year with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So it's something that's been missing uh, this season, and they've been struggling to run the ball uh, as well. So, I mean, it's and, – and on top of it, as, as a Bears fan, I know what the problem is. It's their offensive coordinator. His name is Matt Nagy, and he's awful at calling plays. So, yeah. But uh, thanks to the defense, they've been spectacular and really carried the team. And, you know, I just uh, – uh, but like I said, the, the Chiefs are gritty in the way that they always find a way uh, to come out on top. They they do that more so than they don't. Even though they've lost three of their last five, they really need their offense to show up for this one because uh, it's not like the, the, the Bills aren't exactly world beaters on defense. In fact, most of the injuries, like the major injuries that have suffered all on the defensive uh, side. So they're hurting on the defensive side. Kansas City needs to take advantage of that. They're at home uh, in this one. So that's why I'm going to give the Chiefs the nod in this one. But keep an eye on uh, on Allen and the offense. If they if they have another game like they have for the last two weeks before the bye, they scored 32 on the Jets, 30, 34 against the Eagles. Both really good defenses. And, you know, like I said, Kansas City is a pretty stout defense as well. But if Kansas City comes out and starts scoring, or excuse me, Buffalo comes out and starts scoring points, this thing could go sideways pretty easy for Kansas City, and it could get ugly for them uh, down the stretch as we go through the season. But right now, I'm going to trust the Chiefs and Mahomes to get that win and, uh, you know, keep pace in the AFC trying to get after that uh, that number one seat. <laughs> And finally, game number five, Philly at Dallas, the big game of the week, Sunday night football. Uh, Philly coming off, getting absolutely picked apart by the 49ers, you know, after sending them three and out on their first two uh, drives of the game, six plays for negative six yards. They then in turn gave up six touchdown drives in a row to the, uh, to the 49ers to get beat 42 to 19 in their own house and uh, lost their first game. I think in what, five weeks, something like that. Four weeks. Yeah. One, two, three, four. No, it had been five, five weeks, five weeks, Miami, Washington, Dallas, KC, Buffalo, all wins. Then they come up short against the 49ers. So yeah, they had snapped a five game winning streak. Uh, last week and it's been an interesting season for the uh, Eagles because they've won all but two of their games so far best record in the league 10 and two um, and and they're they've got into some weird battles with the commanders um, one went to overtime the other one they st- they got down early and had to come back um, they had this game they probably should have lost for the Cowboys if not Dak Prescott making a bad read uh, on one of the uh, plays, not to mention he managed to step out of bounds when he was trying to score a touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, so there's that as well. And um, they, like I said, they just outlasted the Bills in that one game uh, two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, they, they uh, it was kind of one of those crazy miracle games that they did. And that's, you know, 
why they're riding so high on that one. They're ten and one, and they you know they came back and imposed their will uh, on Buffalo at the end there to come back and and uh, and win it uh, in overtime. And um, so that's why you think you know they've they've got a, they can beat the Forty ers They can do this. They did it last year in the NFC title game. They knocked Brock Purdy out early, and that would pretty much handicap their offense. And uh, you know, but that unfortunately did not happen. Brock Purdy is healthy from that uh, that elbow injury he suffered in that game, and uh, was pretty awesome against the uh, against the Eagles in that one. And uh, you know, but the thing is, they're playing the Cowboys, and even though they're playing this game in Dallas, where current where Dallas is currently undefeated, they're six and zero. They just came out of this little shootout with the. Seahawks, where they almost allowed more points in one game than they had allowed in that building all season, which is crazy. And, um, you know, there they, uh, I think they did allow more points than they had in all Because the, the, the score of the game, no, it was, it was uh, 41 to 10, I think, was the average score. It was like 205 to 60 or something like that was the... Uh, was the score. So yeah, it was like 41 to 10, but you know, so they gave up 35, I think to the Seahawks last, uh, Thursday. And, but the thing about it is the teams they've beat at home, the jets, the Patriots, the Rams, the giants, the commanders before giving up 35, to the uh, Seahawks on thirty Thursday. I've made the analogy before, and I'm sticking with it. The Cowboys are a bully, but, and they really beat up on the lesser teams, which is what the, the good teams are supposed to do. You're playing a team that's not playing its best football or is just a flat-out bad team, you take them to the woodshed, and they did. They uh, beat the Giant, uh, the Jets 30-10, to the Patriots 38-3, to the Rams forty three to twenty, and it was way uglier than that uh, in the beginning. Forty nine to seventeen over the Giants, and forty five to ten over the Commanders before a forty one thirty five win over the Seahawks. But in their three losses, they lost to the Cardinals twenty eight to sixteen. Those were more self inflicted wounds than anything else. The interceptions from Dak Prescott, he took a lot of heat for that earlier on in the season. And then they go to the 49ers in Sunday Night Football, the first, like, big game of the season, and get housed 42-10. to Then, uh, you know, fast forward to that Eagles game only two weeks later, 28-23, and that was equal parts Eagles winning it, equal parts Eagles, or excuse me, Cowboys losing it. The mistakes made at the end of the game. Uh, I saw a clip online where a, a Cowboys fan was like, we should have won this game, dude. We should have won. Check this out. Runs the play, and there's a tight end running right up the middle of the field wide open. If he hits that guy, it's a touchdown, and you know they score the points they need to to win the game. And instead, he, I think he throws it like CeeDee Lamb who gets tackled out of bounds or something like that, and it just uh, ended up losing the game there. But, you know, when the Eagles have – or excuse me, when the Cowboys have played a team – that is as good, if not better, you know, when, they, when they're when they playing top-shelf opponents, they fold. That's kind of like the cliche with them. That's the tag on the uh, on the Cowboys right now. 
is that when they run into another big boy, when they run into another bully, they're the ones getting smacked around. Evidenced by that 42 to 10 loss to the 49ers coming up short against the Eagles. And, you know, and, and, and also when, uh, when a bully runs into that one kid that, that sticks up to him, you know, they ended up losing the fight and getting themselves embarrassed, AKA that game against the, Arizona early in the season after beating the Giants 40 to nothing in week one and the Jets 30 to 10 in week two here they come in thinking they're going to beat uh, the tanking uh, Arizona Cardinals and you know is that little kid that's getting picked on he's just had enough he throws a wild punch and bang the bully goes down that's exactly what happened that week you know the Cowboys are probably looking ahead or you know like we got the 49ers. That's the game we need to get ready for. We got them in a couple of weeks. We ain't got to worry about these Cardinals, man. And, yeah, they lost 28-16. to 16. So, yeah, the bully analogy works really well for the Cowboys. <laughs> so, but, yeah, like I said, whenever they run into any kind of top-shelf talent, they, uh, they fold. I mean, records-wise, the Seahawks are the best team that the Cowboys have beaten all season. Every other team that they've beaten – has a losing record, every single one. So it's like the only other team that has a decent record that they've beaten is the Rams, and that's thanks to that three-game winning streak they've been on lately. But it's like going into the week last week, the Rams had a losing record. They were 5-6. and six. The Chargers are 4-8 and eight right now, something like that. The Patriots are 2-10. and 10. The, the Jets, 4-8. and eight. The Giants, are they 4-8 and eight as well? So Panthers one and eleven, Commanders four and eight, Seahawks six and six. After that game, they were the only team all season that they'd beaten that had a winning record. They were six and five going into the game. So you know they've got the Eagles this week. They got the Bills on the road next week at the Dolphins, home for the Lions. <sighs> the Bills might be the you know the only team in the next three weeks that that has a losing record. Four weeks, I should say. But, and that's because the Bills might are most likely going to lose to Kansas City, so they'll be 6-7 and seven when they play the Cowboys next week. But that's in Buffalo. Yeah, well, that's where they've lost all their games so far this year is on the road. They go into hostile territory in Buffalo. See how that goes for them. But then they're in Miami against the Dolphins. Don't see that going well. And then the one chance, uh, you know, then they got the Lions on Monday Night Football at the end of the season there. That could be ugly as well. We'll have to wait and see how that all uh, how that all shakes out. But you know, for a team that's been good at being a bully this year, they've got some other bullies coming up in the in the Dolphins and the Lions and the Eagles uh, this Sunday. And right now, I'm going to stick with the cliche: whenever the uh, whenever the bully Cowboys run into another bully, they're the ones that are getting smacked around. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm going with the Eagles to rebound off their win. Uh, off their loss to the 49ers and get the sweep of the Cowboys. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. The Week 14 preview of the fourth phase. Come back tomorrow on Friday when myself and Jeremy Reisman from the SB Nation Pride of Detroit uh, website will uh, will preview Bears and Lions. We talk about uh, what's been going on with the Lions the last few weeks. The game, the first matchup with the Bears, the the Thanksgiving game against the uh, Packers the, the, this past Sunday against the Saints. Like, dude, what the hell is going on here? 
uh, and you know what we can look forward to or what we think may or may not happen on Sunday. Uh, we talk a bit about the Barry Sanders uh, documentary. It was a really, really interesting documentary Amazon put out uh, a couple of weeks ago. We'll talk about that for a bit uh, as well. So come on back on Friday for that. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time. Just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.